Amen. As we was in Japan, we all, one thing about Japanese people, you got to know, they are fugal people, meaning they maximize their capacity of growth. So like, so like we had like two different houses and we had, and everything is small. Everything is tight. Like, like they even had the shower in the middle of the kitchen. I, yeah, I, right? In the middle of the kitchen. And this shower is not big boy friendly. Can I get a witness, right? So this Hawaiian jumps into the shower. The pastor's gone. The pastor from the other church is gone. His wife and daughter is sleeping in the room that's right next to the opposite corner of the kitchen. All right? And there's this small little curtain that blocks me that protects this big greatness, all right, and glory, right? And so I'm feeling that. I, I botcha, I out, out, take shower, clean up, all that stuff, trying to be very discreet as best as I can. And then I realize, Hine, I never get one towel. That would bless your heart. So in all my glory, can I get a witness out there, right? I'm like, how am I going to be sneaky about this? I mean, the pastor's wife and the daughter is like literally five feet away from the bathroom, okay? What am I going to, those who are listening on the uh, stereo, bathroom is restroom, okay? Just let you guys know. All right, so moving forward. How am I going to get a towel? I realized that the shelf with the towels is right next door to the, to the uh, bath. And so, but the problem is, like, like I got to reach extensively. And if you did not know, uh, I didn't get my father's size, all right, like besides the belly, right? But that's tall and long. I got my mom's Filipino side, okay? And so I could barely reach the towel, right? And I'm like, for the sake of not scaring the pastor's wife and the daughter and, and like, screwing her eyes up for all eternity, right? I'm like, God, when is the goal? Right? I mean, I mean when, when I heard Tomaselli on the football uh, field, I know when to go, right? I don't know when to go right now. I'm, I'm literally butt naked, and I can't get to this towel. Jesus, what am I going to do? So I'm like, man, you just got to trust God that he's going to take care of you. Amen. Hallelujah. So I go. I reach for the towel. And, man, I'm like halfway out showing half of my glory into to Japan, all right? I get that towel. I say, yes, sir. I get back in, and it was the small three-by-three three hand towel. <laughs> the devil is a liar. <laughs> oh, my Lord. And I'm like, I am not chancing this again. So you know what I do, right? I used the three-by-three three towel. By the time I was piled with the top part, half part of my body, the bugger was dripping with water already. And I was sweating, too, because there are fugal people. There's no AC by the shower, right? I got to take a shower just because I took a shower again, right? And so I was able to use a three-by-three towel, and by the grace of God, I was able to wipe down all this glory. Can I get a witness, right? I mean, I mean that's what happens, right? In life, right? In life, it's a journey. And we, we get so caught up with the destination at hand that we forget that it's about the journey. And sometimes in that journey, it's going to be some weird situations. Like the pastor's wife and daughter in the room on the opposite side of the kitchen. And I'm like literally not clothed. But feel, I'm like, man, I need a towel. And I get a three by three towel. All right? There is... A lesson to this nonsense. And the lesson is this. All right, you ready? God 
All right? God in his grace has clothed our nakedness with the glory of his son. I want you to hear me. God in his grace has clothed our nakedness. All right, you got to go past the physicality of what I'm talking about and get to the spirituality of it, right? Everything physical is the result of things spiritual, and God has clothed our nakedness with the glory of his son. And it's a journey. Man, it's a journey. I'll be honest with you. As I walk in today and all the technology things is all whacked and all that, I struggle with that. We invest our time and energy, and I struggle when things don't go my way. And so my nakedness is showing out in my flesh. And what God has to do, God has to remind me that my nakedness is clothed with the glory of Jesus. Today, your nakedness is showing Today, your flesh is showing, and you need something supernatural to clothe you with God's grace. Can I just say it up front? We're not going to beat around the bush in this church. That righteousness comes from Jesus. The best life now for you is not found in a book written by one of the biggest mega church pastors in the world. Your best life right now is clothed in the mercy and grace of a living God. Can I get a witness out there? God has clothed you with righteousness. Therefore, God has reminded you because he is righteous, you now are righteous. I mean, that, that's good. The message has not even started. There is joy when we understand that apart from Christ, we are completely naked. We are embarrassed. We are flawed. And in God's sovereign grace, he has clothed us with his son. And his son makes us, you, I, y'all, righteous. There is joy in that. And, you know, it's, it's been a sweet journey because around August of, of 2015, August in 2015, we dedicated our lives to the studying verse by verse through the book of Acts. And in the next two weeks, we're going to finish the book of Acts. Literally three years ago, God has sent us this beautiful picture of grace through the book of Acts. In fact, I want to show you a picture of what that looked like in the last few years. All right, in the last three years, we've went through about these much series in the book of Acts. And a couple things has happened in this study. Number one, um, the, we studied the book of Acts in three different locations. The first location, the YWCA. Anybody was there at the YWCA? Many of you. The next location was at Engage Church on Lani Kaula. Anybody remember that? Right? Yeah, many of you. You see the addition hands coming up. And now and we're ending... Our three-year series right here at our physical home on 1967 Kino Street. Can I get a witness, right? Um, that's a journey. That's a good gospel journey. And the, remember, the journey is not about the destination uh, so much as the journey is about the joy in the journey, right? We know for us believers in Christ, we believe theologically that as followers of Christ, it ends well for us because Jesus is good. Jesus is good. So, so we see this thing. A couple things happen also. We, we dealt with some pilakia in the church. 
We deal with some sin issues, and we have to handle them biblically. But we also rejoice in many life change in that pillar We have people that both have left the church. They've come back to the church because they realize that going to church is not about attending, but it's about belonging. Can I get a witness right there? That's the problem with American Christianity today. We think that church is about attending someplace, rather belonging someplace. And the right theological view of a church is that we belong together to Jesus. So, so we're going to have pilakia. We're going to have hypocrisy. We're going to have issues in the church that does not line up with the text. But I'm going to be so faithful to say this. If we are faithful to the gospel, the preaching of the word, exegetically, expositorily, then we will see Christ lifted up. It says, if I be lifted up, not some man, but all men will come to me. So we are a gospel-centered, Christ-driven church. In the last three years, we've planted additional churches. Our small little church, we've planted over nine churches in the last four years. Give God a clap of praise for that. See, see, look, it is not about our seating capacity. It's about our sending capacity. If all we do is come here and seat people and we're not training them up, we're not raising them up, and we're not sending them out, we're not really experiencing the righteousness of Christ. God has given us his word so that when people sit here, they can be raised up, trained up, and sent out. Sent out. Why? Because it is bigger than one local church. That's why everybody says, well, we have 150 churches in the town of Hilo. Why do we need any more churches? Because not all churches are encouraged in the gospel. Not all churches are preaching the clear gospel of Jesus Christ. They may talk about God's love, but they exclude God's wrath. There is darkness and there is light. There is good, and help me out, there is evil. There is no in-between. And that's where a lot of churches in America has come today. And so what we want to do is we want to encourage you guys in this vein. And so as we journey together and finish off the book of Acts, here's the second thing we see in Acts. Three years ago when we preached our first sermon, does anybody know what the title of our series was, our first series? Let me, let me, let me make it simple for you. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. We asked the question, what is the book of Acts all about? And we all answered this very question in different ways. They said the coming of the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness? Amen, right? Some people said the start of the New Testament church. Some says uh, missions and evangelism. Some says the beginning of persecution on Christians. Some says the story of Paul, the brother we're talking about today in our text. Some says the list goes on, the list goes on. But I want to give you one big, big umbrella theme of what the book of Acts is all about. It's exactly what our series says. <laughs> read it with me. The kingdom of God. No, no, no. I like you read them like you believe it. Not because you're going through the formality of church this morning. One, two, three. The kingdom of God. All right, you talk about sovereignty power. We're going to talk about true sovereignty power right now. All right, the joy in this journey is that the book of Acts is all about the kingdom of of God. And you may say, how do you know that, Kahu? Well, let's go to the word. Acts chapter 1, verse 3 says it this way. The author, Luke, accounts this. He says, in the first book of Theophilus, 
I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. The first book he's talking about is the Gospel of Luke. All right, now this is the second part of the Gospel of Luke, the book of Acts. It says, until the day when Jesus was taken up, after he was giving commands to the Holy Spirit, to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering, that means after his resurrection from the dead, by many proofs. Here's the topic he, he did, right? And then he appeared to them during how many days? How many days? 40 days. And speaking about, say it with me, the kingdom of God. I want, I want you to hear this definition about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is God's sovereign activity in the world, resulting in people being in right relationship with himself. Can I get a witness out there? Say it with me if you believe it. One, two, three. The kingdom of God is God's sovereign activity in the world, resulting in people being in right relationship with himself. That's the goal of Christianity. If you thought that Christianity is about what you did for God, you're a little bit cuckoo this morning. I grew up in the church. My dad was my kahu, and I thought that it was about what I did for God or what I didn't do for God. Can I get a witness? Any believers in there thought that way, right? Right? All one of you. So everybody else is perfect. Praise the Lord. All right? That's the truth. What I did for God and what I didn't do for God. The problem was I'm the problem. You're the problem. We cannot save ourselves. That's why we sin. We redefine sin, what sin is and what sin is not. We don't go to the word. Even in our relationships, it doesn't look like that in the text. And so we justify it because this book was written over 2,000 years ago. But let me tell you something. This book has lasted all of time. If you want to be scientists in here, do your research. This has lasted different countries of the world. This has lasted different world wars of the world. This has been translated almost to every language in the world. What am I saying? If you can believe in anything on physical results, you can believe the Bible. And we believe 100% our culture does not define our belief. God's word defines. We really believe, well, he wrote to real men. Yeah, but the word theologically is that he inspired them. The word inspired literally means that he literally spoke to them. Meaning what they wrote down, he said to them, and they could not pervert it because it was his inspiration, not man's inspiration. Are you with me? And so as we look at our text today, I want you to see that the text of Acts, all the whole book, is about the kingdom of God. And so we're going to finish this two-part series called The Kingdom of God in the next two weeks. And by August, we're going to be celebrating through a new book of the Bible. And so what's going on is we're with brother Paul, the apostle, and he's on his last leg all the way up to Rome. And if you know the story, that he's been imprisoned in Jerusalem, specifically Caesarea, and then he had to share his account of why he was innocent of everything that he was accused for four different times. And on the last time when they saw that he was innocent, he said something that in Roman culture, which Rome ruled all the world, that the king, Agrippa, had to abide by. And Paul did this. I must appeal, help me out, to Caesar. Whenever those words are said... Every uh, governance has to abide by those words. So Paul is on a ship 
with almost 300 brothers. All right, and they are going back to Rome. They experienced a big storm that he told them would come, but they didn't listen to him. They did not dock, and so eventually they experienced this storm, but every life was saved. They had a shipwreck uh, last week when Connie preached, and they land on an island. Guess where we are today? On an island. Hey, smart theologians in here. Right on. And I want you to see what God does in his kingdom activity with an island that none of them knew anything about. Remember, Paul is on his way to Rome. God is being faithful to Paul getting to Rome. Why did Paul get to Rome? Because God told him and promised him, you have to get there for the gospel's sake, for the gospel's sake. So turn your Bibles to the last chapter of Acts, and would you stand with me in the reading of the word? In the last chapter of Acts, Luke, the author, writes these in his first 10 verses. He says, after we were brought, what? Safely through. We then learned that the island was called, help me out, Malta. The native people showed us unusual, say that word, kindness. Unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and welcomed us all. Because it had begun to rain and it was cold. It was also winter. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a snake came out because of the heat and fastened on Paul's hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt, this man is a what? Murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea and justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered, say those two words, no harm. Thank you, Jesus. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down, dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a what? God. Now, in the neighborhood of that place, were lands belonging to the chief man of the island, named Publis, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publis lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed and put in his hands on him, say those two words, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. God, we need clarity from your spirit. God, we don't need the formality of worship this morning, going through the motions. We really need you to cut our heart. We need you to heal us, Father. We need you to mend us, and grow us, and restore us, and but that happens through the preaching of your word. Give us clarity. Give us understanding. We love you. And God's Ohana says, amen. And you may be seated. I want to talk about miracles. I want to talk about specifically healing. And I want to start it off with two umbrella biblical truths. That first biblical truth is this. That when it comes to miracles, God can work in any location. Amen. 
And sometimes he works in ways and places that may surprise us, all right? Here's the second biblical truth. When it comes to miracles, it's to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ and not self-prosperity or any works-based salvation, meaning the message is not primarily about you. That's why it's so for Christianity in America today. The message is about God. The message is about Christ. And we get to be a part of the narrative, but don't mistake the message of the gospel. It always starts and it always ends with Christ. Why? Because it's about Christ. He is the creator. You are the created. The creator gets the glory, not the creation. The creator gets all the praises. So therefore, when we look at miracles and healing, all right, it begins and ends with the glory of Christ. And out of our 10 verses, I want to give you three things, three parts that are happening to better understand the miracles that took place in our 10 verses. Number one, we see the situation of the miracles. Verses one and two talks about three things. Number one, the location. The location we see is the, the island called Malta, an island which is in between Sicily, Italy, and North Africa. It was about 18 miles long. All right, so it's not, it's maybe closer to like Lanai than Big Island, all right? It's known as one of the most places that were bombed during World War II. Malta was a place of history, and we'll learn more about that later. But number two, in the situation of the miracles, we see the reputation in verses one and two. It was inhabited by native islanders. Now, the word native in the Greek language, Koine Greek, is also the word barbarous. And the reason why they uh, Luke account them as being barbarous for two reasons. Number one, they, they didn't speak probably uh, Greek, which was the main language, Koine Greek. And number two, they probably look more like ancient Hawaiians than Roman citizens. All right? I mean, every time people see Kane's face on our website, you know, they call me up, our partner said, man, I don't want to mess with that Shannon guy. Right? They probably look more like Kane than, than, than you know, than, than Donald Trump. Okay? And all that. And so, so Luke accounts here these natives as barbarous people. All right? And so as we look forward, we see the location of the situation, the, the reputation of the situation, but also the reality of the situation. Could you imagine, all right, you going to a place you've never been in your life, and you meet people that don't even look like you. I mean, there's no social media, y'all. You cannot see the person. I mean, you, that is first glance look, all right? They get on the island, and they see the, these barbarous-looking natives, and this is how these barbarous-looking natives treat these hollies with hospitality, with love, with, with kindness. To, and they showed us to this crew. They, they did not know this crew from Adam, but they were kind and they were hospitable. Sound like Hawaiians to me, right? Sound like our culture, right? The aloha what? Spirit. They welcomed them on the island, and they even started a fire for them to keep them Warm. I love my Kanaka. If there's one thing I've learned is that even before the gospel was here, the hospitality was, was a, 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 a lifestyle for us. In fact, the word aloha is derived by two words in the Hawaiian language. Alo, which means to share, and ha, which is breath. 
And when you put those two words together, aloha, it's really saying that we're sharing breath together. So when we say that it's the aloha spirit, we're really saying we're sharing our life together. This is why we can get, you know, Holly interns from Texas, right, and come live crazy with us this summer, and we can call them Hollies and they don't catch feelings, right, because they understand our aloha, that our aloha drives them to be part of ohana. No, 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 no. I want you to look at the text. They did not know each other. In fact, here's the situation that we're not saying. If they were pushed by the wind on their boat, just one course centimeter off from their destination, they would have been lost probably all the way to the Atlantic Sea from the Mediterranean. But you got to see the situation. You, you, here's the situation. And we, uh, Connie preached on it last week. God is completely sovereign in all things. They didn't land on an island by chance. In fact, they didn't land on a barbarous island by chance. They landed on that island because God sovereignly controlled the climate to get them on that island. How does this apply for us today? You're sovereign here for a reason. You're here for a reason. God sovereignly brought you here. You may say, no, Kahu, I've got my iPhone. I set it at 9 o'clock because I know I get 15 minutes to get ready and get to church, right, and all that. No. God sovereignly brought you here with all your baggage, with all your insecurities, with all your condemnation and hypocrisy. He brought you here for one reason, to see the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. We know nothing about these natives being gospel-centered. We know nothing about them being Christians, but their lifestyle oozed aloha, right? Their lifestyle oozed out the glory of Christ. And so we see that situation leads to our second point, and this is the setup of the miracles. I want you to see what happens after the the natives welcome these crewmen and Paul. Here's the two things we see. Number one, we see servant leadership. I want you to see in our text today, the remaining of our text, Paul reveals his character in Jesus Christ by serving the crew. Read the text, all right? Read it again. Paul, a prisoner on the boat, did something free willingly. He grabbed branches, right? And he threw them in the fire so that everybody else could be warm. And I have to believe it was multiple fires. Because there was 300 brothers on this cruise ship. It had to be multiple fires, and he served. Well, what, what, what are we seeing here? No matter what position you have in the community, in the church, in this nation, you're never too good to serve people. You're never too good. Look at me, all right? As, as the preaching and vision pastor of this church, I still got to run sound sometimes, right, Kyle Marcus? I still got to lead worship sometimes. And here's the deal. Why? Because I am never too good just to be by this pulpit. We're family. We work together. All right? When somebody is down, you jump in and you pick them up. That's what Ohana means. As we have the mission team this week from Las Vegas, one of the ladies, Auntie Levon, said the one thing that drove them kind of crazy was that everybody in Ohana church takes care of each other's babies, you know, and all that. 
Like for me, I don't need to worry. Where's Kaina, where's Kaina at, everybody? Where's Kaina? Well, I know he's with one of the aunties and all that. And surely he was with Don. Hey, only Hawaiian culture can teach you that, right? You know, you know when people say it takes a village to raise a child? Dad, young, we lived that at Ohana Church. How do I know? Because since youth camp, I got used to eating all my food every day at my house, playing my video games, you know. Uh, pretty soon they're going to be wearing my clothes and all that. Shame on them. But you're never too good to serve. Here's a big life application. Here's very theological. You ready? Here's a life application. It's on the screen. Say it with me. Say it louder. Say it even louder. Here's the deal. Listen to me. If you want to really show who you are in Christ, serve. Serve. Here's the challenge, but when we are caught in sin or when we are apart from God's will, we tend not to serve. And then we make excuses. Well, I don't feel like I'm called to handing out brochures. Hello. It's just brochures. Are you serious? Whether you're called or not, if you have fingers and they get blood in them and they move like this, you can hand out one brochure Hawaiian. Well, I don't feel called uh, to greet one another. Well, if your face is always mad, then maybe you're right, okay? <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, that's the, the first thing I do, and we're not perfect by any means. Actually, we got a lot. We all learning, and I dog about our ushers all the time. But when I, I go preach all over the world, and when I go to preach, the first thing I always check on is who's going to greet me first? And what kind of greeting will that be? Will it be, how's it? You know, all the young, the young bucks, they squeeze now into the hand and all that. You know, back in the day, you squeeze a hand, we scrapping next time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> promise kind. And I may be small and short, but I don't get some licks in there. I promise you that. You know what I'm saying? But, but, but that's the deal, right? Like, we, we get so caught up in how to serve, where to serve, when to serve. Help me out, saints. Serve. 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 And let me tell you, it's one thing for you to serve in the community. It's a whole other thing for you to serve in the community to the church you belong to. When I go to Hilo High School football team, I don't go much anymore, but when I go up there, everybody knows where, I am, where I'm from. You know, it's so ridiculous that everybody thinks my name is Kahu. Just make sure we're on the same page. That's not my name. Okay? And it's okay. You call me Zeke. It's really good. Don't let Connie say otherwise, okay? I'll rebuke him in the name of Jesus, okay? But it is true. I mean, when people see you, do they see Jesus? Because one of the ways they can see if Jesus is in you, help me out, if you. Imagine Paul, a prisoner of the gospel, a prisoner physically. He is in chains, and he's picking up bundles of wood so all these brothers who don't have chains on may have warm fire. And that's a whole other story about servanthood. But we see servant leadership in the setup of our miracles today. Mark 10, 45 says it this way. Jesus said to his disciples, I have not come to be served, but to 
serve, and gave my life as a ransom for many. So the life application of our text is serve. Here's the second part that takes a place in the setup of the miracles. We see the serpent that attacks. The serpent attacks. Paul is doing a great deed for these brothers. And in doing so, he is bitten by a snake. The word we see in our text is fasten. The word, they use the word fasten in the Greek because the word fasten means that it locked. It didn't just bite him. It locked. And isn't it just like life? Can I get a witness though? Yeah. When you do something good for somebody, you get nipped in the okole. Hello. Isn't it just like life, right? You do good deeds for people, and they stab you right in the back. 